We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How is it going, Chargers fans? Unfortunately, we are here looking at free agency. It just hits me every single day that the Chargers are not in the postseason and they were knocked out by the Raiders, who lost to the Bengals. And here we are already talking about free agency. It kind of stinks. But then again, it's exciting, kind of, because we get to add players to the Chargers. At least I hope that Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley add players to the Chargers. And then we'll look ahead to the draft. So can't wait to dive into it. We're just going to talk about the offense today. One tackle prospect that I want. And then we'll talk about composite rankings and the projected salaries for the receivers, the tight ends, and the running backs. We'll get into that in a bit. But first, this guy. So I have a bit of a free agent man crush on this guy. Just look at the overall aesthetic of one Dennis Kelly, the 6'8 right tackle from Tennessee and currently with the uh, Green Bay Packers, 321 pounds, 32 years old. An RAS score of 7.4, which is more his size and his strength rather than his agility, because I don't know how agile they make guys that are 6'8", unless you're Donald Parham, in which case you're very, very agile. Now, so the past two years, things look pretty good for him. He started 16 games in 2020. He allowed zero sacks during that span for the Titans. And of course, he blocked for Derrick Henry as he ran for 2,027 rushing yards. That's not bad. That's not a bad start as is. Um, and then this past year, he's with the Packers, and he was a backup for them. There, if you followed the Packers at all, you know there's a lot of changing parts with all the injuries they've had this year. And it sounds like things were going to be a mess for them until Dennis Kelly basically stepped up because Billy Turner went down, and they were going to have to do all sorts of changing and shifting. But, hey, Dennis Kelly stepped up for them, and so far he's played in five games, started in five games for them, and he's currently ninth in pass-blocking efficiency and has only allowed five pressures in those five games. So I like it. So let's talk about the pros and cons. Let's start with the cons. The obvious one is that he's 32 years old. Everyone does not want an, a right tackle or any kind of lineman who's over, you know, X age or whatever. And I could understand that the Chargers have kind of been burned by that recently. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Another con is that contract. Not that it's going to be a crazy contract. I don't quite know what it is, although I've sort of projected it later. It's not going to be a very intense contract, but in an off season where let's say you want to sign Dalton Schultz, and you want to re-sign Mike Williams, that's $40 million a year right there committed to those two guys. And you won't have a lot of room to you know, pay for a guy like Kelly, even though he's all not all that expensive, you might want to go through the draft instead. So his contract might be a no for the Chargers, but it depends on what uh, you know, he's asking and what they do in free agency. Um, he's also kind of an unproven commodity. I know like 
again, the stats from here are great, but he hasn't been a consistent starter for many years. Say like a Corey Lindsley or even like a Brian Velaga. You don't really know a lot about this guy. And then also, if they take him and Dennis Kelly, they take Dennis Kelly and they sign him, there's potential that Tom Colosco goes, cool, that's great, I'm good. We can wait till next draft for, for right tackle or even just tackle depth, depending on what they do with Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Uh, you know, obviously we don't want the charges to do that. We'd like for them to go take this guy, get another guy and have some really solid depth. But we know Tom Telesco, he could go, great. I did my job. Let's forget about the rest. That's a little bit concerning. We might not want that. And of course we want to avoid another Balaga where we don't want another guy who comes in, gets injured, doesn't play. People have been speculating like, oh, Balaga just, you know, lying or taking a, a paycheck or whatever. I don't buy that. Balaga tried really hard to get into the game several times last season. And unfortunately, just it was just injuries caught up to him. It's unfortunate, but I don't really put that on Balaga. He tried. But I think the pros outweigh the cons here when it comes to Dennis Kelly. One, you have an immediate starter. This isn't like Storm Norton giving up the most pressures in the league. Again, at least I don't think so. You have a guy who can come in right away. Whether you think he's amazing or just average or good, he's going to be an immediate starter that you can rely on, I think. Number two, this is a weak right tackle free agent class. Unless you want to spend a ton of money on Trent Brown, who's a little bit of an odd case himself, or maybe someone like a Morgan Moses. You know, to me, this class isn't all that great. And Dennis Kelly, based on at least his numbers and the contract that he might end up commanding, I think he's the best bet for you. He also has a lot of system familiarity. I know that he has not played with Corey Lindsley, but I think a lot of the things that you see with the floor and that Packers offense, obviously we know Lindsley. And this offense, I think there's some system familiarity. I think there's some terminology that should be the same, that could be the same. Um, so I like that that instant match. You just take him, boom. He kind of has the same working lingo with some of the coaches and some of the players on this team. Boom, good to go. Two, he's got low mileage. I know he's 32 years old, but he hasn't played all that much, right? It's not the age, it's the mileage. I believe that's Indiana Jones, right? And so he's played fewer snaps in the NFL than Derwin James has. If that makes any sense, or it doesn't make sense, but you know, if that gives you any indication how few snaps he's really played in the NFL, again, that makes him an unproven commodity, but it also means that he hasn't played that many snaps. Um, I believe he's played fewer than half the amount of snaps that Brian Balaga has as well, even though he is 32. So yes, the age is there, but the guy hasn't really been playing and you know taking on hits and blocking edge rushers all that much in the middle of the game. So I like that. Two, he can also be, or not two. Next, he can also be your bridge right tackle. I think in a perfect world, you take someone in the draft. I don't know who yet, but you take someone in the draft in the second or the third round and you bridge between Kelly and that right tackle. Or maybe Kelly is just really, really good and you keep him for a couple of years. But either way, you have a nice bridge there so you can get the next right tackle to be ready. And if they do draft a right tackle, that means from left tackle to right tackle, the Chargers will have someone that they've drafted that would be backing up the starter. So obviously a Slater, but the backup should be Pipkins. You have Filer, but the backup should be Hymas. You have Lindsley, but the backup, if he resigns, should be Questenberry. I, th I think Questenberry would resign. Uh, re I don't know why not. Abushi, Hymas would be his backup again. And then if you have Kelly and you draft a right tackle, you have another draft pick behind him. So that'd be the first time in a long time that I can remember that the Chargers would have a backup that was drafted by the team behind each of their starters, which is, I think is really, really, really good way to go. It also gives you draft flexibility, right? If you have Kelly and he is your immediate starter and you believe in him, you don't have to worry about taking one really early in the first round or even the second round. You know, the, the draft we think is going to go heavy on the defense for Brandon Staley's defense to become something hopefully better than it was last year. 
And so if they want to go edge rusher and linebacker, edge rusher, corner, corner, edge rusher, whatever, they can do that and they can sort of ignore right tackle just for a little bit longer because they have an immediate starter in Kelly. Also, like I said, the aesthetic, I think having that on the offensive line would be fantastic. I just think, you know, him at right tackle, Filer at left guard, got some mean mugs on that line. I like it. And also it seems like he has a clean injury history. I believe in 2020, he was dealing with a knee thing, but that never forced him to miss any games. He would miss some practice, but it never forced him to miss any game. So you know, he was available for 15 games in 2019, 16 games he started in 2020. It doesn't seem like he's been injured at all this past year in 2021. And he's currently going to be playing for the Packers, I believe in the playoffs, if Turner doesn't come back. So overall, over the past few years, he seems really healthy. He seems like he's talented. He's blocked well, system familiarity. I think it's the perfect signing. So that's why I'm not focusing on any other right tackle uh, free agents. Steven can do that. That's his thing. If he wants to go through all the right tackle free agents, that's fine. But to me, I think he's the best option for the team, barring something that I don't know. Okay, so let's jump into these composite score rankings. We have them for running back, tight end, and wide receiver. This is something I did last year when uh, Steven, Alex, and I, for our Guilty as Charged episode, like our mock draft whatever episode, we had to pick guys to you know take on our team for now and for the future, yada, yada. Point is, I did a composite score ranking based on it depends on what the skill was, the skill position was, obviously. But for running backs, it was something like yards after contact, yards per route run, drop percentage, uh, yards per attempt, all those sort of things that are more of per play basis. And I wanted to see which running backs were the best on a per play basis that, you know, and who was maybe underrated, who was maybe overrated, that sort of thing. And so I think the model generally works out for itself, where the, your number one guys were Jones, Kamara, Chubb, Cook. You know, Eckler, Taylor, Henry Montgomery, like that being your top 10 or whatever this was makes sense. Like that. So I think the model does hold up in general on at least, even if it's just a per play basis, but the interesting one was Sony Michelle here. He came in at fourth and I found that so interesting that he came in above someone like a Dalvin cook, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, granted this was last year, not this year. And that was a bit of a surprise. So I thought, Oh, he's kind of underrated there. And of course the Rams end up trading for him. He joins the Rams and is an immediate starter and is crushing it for the Rams. I think Akers and, and Henderson, they're all going to be back or are coming back. So I don't know what his role is going to be, but in the time that they traded for him and he played, he was excellent for the Rams. And so I think that I want to try to find other guys like this working with the same model. So I did that for this year's free agent crop. And right now we have a much longer list and these are all the free agents. These are not just, or these aren't just the guys uh, that played in 2021. These are the free agents. So I color coded it a little bit so it kind of helps determine as you can help figure out which guys are older, which guys are younger. So in red, you have guys over 30. The age bracket kind of varies with each group. So wide receiver, tight end and running back, they're kind of different. But in general, green means they're younger, it's typically under like 26, 27. That yellow is 27 to 30. And then anything over 30 is in red. And so the composite rankings are based off these five metrics that I have. Don't worry about the numbers in the middle. Those are their rankings. And then the lower ranking you are, the, the better you are, right? Or I guess the higher ranking, depending on how you look at it. So the two best ones are Giovanni Bernard and Brandon Bolin on a per play basis. I'm not necessarily interested in them. This, this to me is just a way to look at which guys are young, which guys are doing the best on a per play basis. And then later we can look at contracts and see, okay, which one is going to be the best bang for your buck sort of deal. Uh, Justin Jackson coming in at number three is really interesting. I think that sort of makes sense based on the way he finished the year, especially against the Houston Texans. I mean, I don't know where he would have ranked previously, but him being up here is good and also indicates that he is a re-sign. I don't think Justin Jackson 
should come in and be considered the RB2 moving forward, even though he can play like one. The idea that he is entrusted with your RB2 role is a bit shaky to me, not necessarily because of talent, but as we all know, say it on three, one, two, three, injuries, right? Justin Jackson cannot stay healthy. He was even catching COVID at different times last year. It was just very, very unlucky for him. So of the free agent group, a guy like Chase Edmonds, I think would be really, really interesting for the Chargers. He's going to cost a little bit more, but he is here, like, I mean, fourth. He's young. He's fourth on the composite score rankings. And there's a graph somewhere that shows running, uh, rushing yards over expected. And you could tell which guys are the best running backs in the league based on that one, because it was Eckler and Taylor and Edmonds. Edmonds was a guy who was really high up there and rushing guards over expected. So you know, I think he's a guy that you should certainly keep an eye on. I think Steven's been pretty high on him also because he might be on his fam- fantasy roster. Uh, Cordero Patterson didn't come in super high here. I think that look, just looking at him as a running back, he's not all that great. He made a lot more of his um, higher rankings as a receiver. And I think as an overall weapon, he'd be very, very interesting for this team. Guy who can, you know, return kicks, uh, return punts run the ball, catch the football. As a dynamic back, I think that'd be really good. But as you're seeing a bit, he's a little bit more expensive. A lot of people are talking about Fournette. I think him being here is fine. I think you'll kind of know what you're going to get from him. Not a whole lot as a receiver, but as a runner, like as a pure runner, you might prefer him um, you know, to, to be a part of your backfield as a, as a group of Eckler, Jackson, Fournette. That might not be that bad. James Conner, he doesn't have the best yards per carry yards after contact sort of average but it's probably because he was taking 15 touchdowns from the two yard line for the arizona cardinals so he's an interesting one as a a touchdown machine for sure the other one i want to pay attention to is to ernest johnson a guy who most of us didn't know who he was heading into the season then of course chubb goes down hunt goes down and suddenly you have this guy starting for the team and what do you know he's one of the best running backs um, during that very very short time period better than melvin gordon better than Sony Michelle, right? Looking very good. And I like that he's right there at a sort of undervalued, but not like excellent. Not, not like as good as a Chase Edmonds, but a really, really solid option for them. And he just didn't have a whole lot of value as a receiver in terms of yards per route run. Um, you know, he just, he wasn't really used all that often as a receiver. He's not as dynamic as a receiver as say Justin Jackson or Chase Edmonds, but he was really solid as a runner. And I think that's what the Chargers are looking for. So you can look over this list. To me, it's just a good list for looking at, you know, where do you guys rank? How do they look on a per play basis? If we gave them more touches, would they be better? You know, or, or are they just kind of, eh, they're not worth the investment. I think it kind of makes that sense that someone like Alex Collins is really low down here. David Johnson is really low. Ronald Jones is really low. It makes sense that goes, those guys are down there. So for these, these running backs, now, unfortunately, Spot Rack, now Arjun just informed me that Spot Rack is not even close to as good as over the cap. So my bad if these numbers are wrong or they're off or whatever, but I did use Spot Rack to give these guys market value. And they weren't, I didn't have numbers for everybody from on Spot Rack. So I apologize, but these are the guys that did have numbers. So Chase Edmonds being one of the best running backs out there, right? Guy who's really your second best young option after Justin Jackson and him only commanding two years for 6 million. That's not that bad of a deal. Again, I talked about rushing yards that were expected. He's one of the only, oh, no, two guys. Here it is. One of only two guys that averaged over five yards per attempt. Again, I have, I have rushing yards here just to kind of see the total volume. But I think the yards per attempt is a little bit more interesting here. Although we'd like rushing yards over expected as a better metric, I think. But I have access to that. So here we are. Um, so him being at two for six is not bad. Patterson being at two million, or excuse me, two years for nine million is a bit expensive. I think as a team that wants to go on a run, 
really quickly over the next two years. I don't mind that at all. I'll see if he returns you know, to the Falcons, and I think he could. But I think when you're building this roster, I don't think running back is a position you need to invest super, super heavily in, even though you want. Uh, Patterson would be really fun, right? But I think you could do something like Dearness Johnson, who's currently sitting on spot rack, two years, 2.6 million per year. Again, a guy who is, I think, 11th in the composite score rankings, who just didn't do a whole lot as a receiver, but as a runner, he was very high up there. And to get him as a very, very young player for only $2.6 million per year to pair with Eckler and even pair with Justin Jackson to put that trio together, that's not a bad option. I really like him there. Uh, you know, the rest of these, the contracts aren't that expensive. It, it's running backs. The market has just been down. It's always going to be down. But someone like Chase Edmonds, you want to pay a little bit more for someone who's a little bit more proven who hit 5.1 yards per attempt and is the second best uh, young running back on our composite rankings. That's not bad. But if you want to go one step lower, find a guy who had 5.3 yards per attempt in Jarnus Johnson for $2.6 million a year. I think that's a really, really good option for the Chargers to get a good rusher, a guy who can excel very, you know, and honestly, Jarnus Johnson performing well behind a good offensive line and Chase Edmonds performing bad behind a bad offensive line. I think the Cardinals are a bad offensive line. I think either way, I think either way you go, I think you, the Chargers could be pretty happy with that. But we'll talk about how we navigate the, the total numbers in it in just a bit. So this one's tight ends. And this one was a little bit different. Uh, Jared Cook, first off, is down here. Uh, unfortunately, not very good tight end. Look at some of the other tight ends down here. Just not that great. Max Williams being up here is really, really cool. He sounded like he was having a very good season. And then he got hurt. So if I, if I change the snap count, to include a certain volume of targets. I think Max Williams wouldn't even be on here. And the tight end one would really be David Njoku. Njoku, to me, when I show you what, how much he costs on the next page, Njoku should be free agent target number one or two for the Chargers. I don't think there's a better pairing of production and per play basis production and contract and RAS score and athleticism and pairing with the, the quarterback I don't think there's a better combination on this list at receiver, at running back, or at tight end. I think David Njoku from the Browns, if he leaves, is the best option for the Chargers, maybe of, of all three different positions, maybe outside of Kelly at, at right tackle. I think Njoku just gives you the perfect blend of production and cost and pairing with the quarterback and everything that you could possibly ask for. You know, someone on Twitter was like, oh, he's got a history of drops. He only had two this past year. Again, like the all of all the five categories, you know, whether I forget exactly what order they're in, but yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception, drop rate. He's top four in all of them. And he's young, right? So again, look at the, I love the using the colors to indicate not only are we just getting a good player, but we're getting a young player too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Someone that you can grow your offense with and have for many years rather than someone like a Jared Cook, who's kind of a one and done, even to a certain extent, Zach Ertz, who might have you know, two, three more years, we don't know. Njoku, you can work with for a long time. So Njoku being up here is a number one. Schultz being up here is really good too. It seems like Njoku and Schultz are kind of like the 1A, 1B of this free agent class. At least that's how I'd see it, in my opinion. Schultz is more of like your possession receiver. Um, He was really, really solid in the drop rate. Um, You know, a guy that is good for scoring touchdowns, a very good possession receiver. Whereas Njoku is more of your field stretcher, bull over Nasir Adderley and score from 72 yards, kind of like we saw against the Chargers this year, unfortunately. Gusecki being down here is a bit of a surprise. Everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, I want Gusecki. He's going to be really good. And he could be really good, don't get me wrong, but he's not exactly at, you know very high up here. Of these tight ends, he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's eighth. And I'm not saying that's bad, but if you want to pay him a lot of money, you know, 10, $12 million a year, and him being at eighth, Eh. You know, that's why I like using this list. I want to find guys that are kind of underrated and guys that are maybe a little bit overrated who could be overpaid. Uzama, the same thing. Didn't expect a lot of Uzama. I don't know how he's done in previous years. This year he's looked good. Don't get me wrong. So he'd be a good ad. But it all, it all, it all comes down to expense. And here's why I like Njoku so much. Schultz, 12.6 a year. Tanyan, 10.8 a year. Gaseki 11. Uzama, 10.7. David Njoku, despite the fact that he basically, if I took off Max Williams, who really kind of shouldn't be on here based on his volume. If I took off Max Williams, Njoku would be kind of far and away the best tight end available. And they're only projecting him at $6.9 million a year. So you have a guy that can stretch the field, who is fantastic after contact, fantastic yards per route run, right? He's the only guy on this list of the list of these tight ends right here who has over a 1.5 in yards per route run. And he's the only guy on this list who has seven or more yards after, after contact per reception or yards after catch per reception. And yet he's only average or his value is at $6.9 million a year. To me, that's perfect. The idea that Herbert can just hand, give the ball to a, a tight end and he can take it to the house at any given moment or get you more yards than someone like a Jared Cook or a Gasecki or a Schultz and, and kind of significantly more than most of the guys on this list. And he's only $6.9 million a year. This pairing, I think, is perfect. You know, if you want to go Mike Williams and you have Palmer and you have Allen, but you sign someone like Njoku, you know, I do think they should have more speed at receiver, but Njoku just gives you another element in the middle that this team doesn't have. And as Parham comes back as more of your possession receiver and even McKitty as a blocker slash, you know, receiver, and then Anderson as your fullback slash H-back slash sort of receiver occasionally. I think just having Njoku as a pure receiving tight end with the tight end group they have, would just elevate this team. And it seems like Lombardi and Herbert, they love funneling targets through the tight end. And who better to give that to than Njoku, who's number one in yards per route run on this list, and number one in yards after the reception or after the catch per reception. Oh, and by the way, he's like 40% cheaper than the other free agent options on this list. Oh, and by the way, he had an elite RAS score and he has a pedigree at being a first round pick. It's the perfect combination, I think. I don't think there's a better combination out there and it's not going to cost the Chargers all that much. Okay, receivers. Uh, whether you agree with this list or disagree is a whole other thing. I got to move myself out of the way here. Whee! But um, 
Devon, the reason I think this 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 sort of way I do things with the composite scores works is because I think this makes sense. Adams, Godwin, and Williams being the top three makes sense, at least in terms of free agent wide receivers. It's all about looking for their value, you know, the age, the production, who's overrated, who's underrated. And so someone like Michael Gallup, who a lot of people have been talking about as a replacement for Mike Williams, at least before he tore his ACL, Gallup is actually kind of overrated. He's hanging around right here with Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is like had a very bad year and was horrible at separating. Michael Gallup is right above him. And so I think he's a bit overrated by Chargers fans right now. Uh, I didn't expect to see that based on, you know, before I did the list, but he was never really stood out in any place. And again, this isn't a production thing. These rankings aren't necessarily based on overall production as much as a per play basis who down to down to down to down is the best. So no surprise that Devonte Adams is number one by, you know, a, a good amount. And the next being Chris Goblin and Mike Williams, Mike Williams. So when I did this previously, now it was looking at all wide receivers, not just free agent ones. But when I looked at this previously, when I did this composite score ranking for that little episode we did a few months ago, Mike Williams out of, I think, 25 receivers was 25th. Like It was not pretty. And that's why I was so hesitant about him coming back, him being the number one, all these things, because on a per play basis, it wasn't great. He was not a good receiver on a per play basis. But this year, now, granted, this isn't all wide receivers. He could be 25th out of 26th, you know, if you add your, your Cooper Cups, your Keenan Allens and all that sort of thing. But him at least being top three here among free agent wide receivers is, is good, right? If he were down here with a Keelan Cole, Sammy Watkins, I'd be a little bit concerned. But him being top three is good. Now, whether the Chargers decide to pursue that or not is a whole different thing. I think, oh gosh, what's his last? Valdez Scantling for the Packers. Him being up here is really, really good. I think his biggest thing was yards per route run and yards after the catch per reception. Deontay Harris being up here is really, really interesting. He's a restricted free agent, by the way for them. So I don't really expect him to be available, but if he has Deontay Harris for the saints is an interesting option, but he's a little bit smaller. I think he's five, six, it's very productive, but he's not very athletic and he's a little bit smaller and they could kind of just go with Palmer in that case, or even like in Joku, if they sign him rather than Deontay Harris. So I like him. He could be interesting if the Chargers were, you know, maybe in the, the rivers era, but at this point, I think you want to find something a little bit different. Um, Lazar being up here is good. Pringle being up here is interesting. Another like tear down with Kirk and Gage, I think it'd be a route that they go. I just don't know. Like at that point, based on what they're projected to get, I'd probably just rather go with Mike Williams for a little bit more than someone like Christian Kirk, who is fine and younger, but I don't know if like, I'd rather just work with the chemistry of Herbert and, and Williams than go with some of these guys. Jalen Guyton down here kind of makes sense where he is. A little bit above Goodwin, above Cole, Watkins, Crowder. Like, that's a very good spot to be. And him being middle of the pack for free agent wide receivers as the undrafted free agent guy who, you know, kind of does two or three things, that's not bad. So I, I do think the Chargers bringing him back is a good idea. Now let's talk about these contracts, though, because that's where things change, right? Oh, let's get Adams. Let's get Goblin. Let's get Williams. Well, they cost a little bit. <laughs> and this costs a little bit more than the free agent running back. So right now, again, this is spot rack. Devontae Adams is up here five years, uh, $25 million a year. Very, very expensive. Interesting, though, to see that his yards per route run, while that is number one, Deontay Harris being up here with 2.69 and one of only two wide receivers, at least in terms of the free agents here, to have over a two, uh, two yards per route run. Deontay Harris being up there is pretty interesting. So I think that's someone to keep an eye on for the Saints. Like They'll, they'll probably keep him. But hey, you know, fantasy production, who knows? 
And he's only at three, three years, $9.8 million a year. A lot less expensive, but he's not really what the Chargers would want in their offense. Allen Robinson being dead last over here, right? Not the best yards per route run. You saw he's second to last on this uh, composite ranking list. Not great. Uh, his market value of being four years, 16 million is ridiculous. I would much rather, again, go with someone like Mike Williams. I think at this point, unless you want to draft a receiver who is a completely different skill set than Mike Williams, I think the Chargers should go with Mike Williams. I think we know that the chemistry is there. I think familiarity with the offense is there. I think he had a career year. And at this point, I think in terms of the numbers, he's actually up there with the players that are good rather than underachieving. He's kind of overperforming. He'll never quite get there to that every game, every play. He's just an elite wide receiver. Like Devontae Adams, every single time he steps onto the field, he's probably the best player on the field. And Mike Williams will never really reach that point, but he'll always be a very, very good receiver for the team who can have some elite moments. And so I think letting that go would be a mistake. Yes, it is expensive, but you're all in at this point. You know, if this were Herbert's, you know, third contract, would I want Mike Williams? I don't know. But the fact that it is, you know, we're still under Herbert's first contract. And then at some point heading into a second contract, I think you can work with Mike Williams. I don't think he would be responsible for the Chargers to take away Hunter Henry the first year and then also Tyron Johnson. And then they get rid of Jared Cook and then Mike Williams the next offseason. There's no growth. You can't do that to him. I mean, yeah, you have Keenan Allen and you sort of have Josh Palmer and maybe Jalen Guyton and you could draft another wide receiver. But I think stripping, you know, Williams and Cook, and I do think Cook is gone, stripping those two guys away from Justin Herbert would be malpractice. I just don't think that's very, very good, a good option for the Chargers. Work with the guys that you have that have a good relationship with Herbert. And listen, when it came down to crunch time, who was, who was Herbert going to? It was Mike Williams. And that fourth down, like what, three fourth downs and the touchdown against the Raiders on Sunday Night Football? I think that matters. So Mike Williams, I think, does return. He's expensive at four years, $16.3 million a year, but I think it's worth it. So what would I do? If I were trying to put these teams together, what would I do and sort of what would I do based on what I think the Chargers would need? Number one, I go after Dennis Kelly. I think that is just a perfect plug and play right tackle. Do I think he's your long-term solution? No, but can he hold it down for a year, two years? I think he can. So I think that's the way to go. They don't have an updated contract projection for him. He was making about $5.5 million per year when he signed a three-year deal with the Titans. And right now this year, I think he's making $1.5 million a year with the Packers. So I think something like three, $4 million a year for him would be pretty solid. He's only started five games this year. I don't know how much he'll do in the postseason. So I think a nice three, $4 million a year works for him. Njoku, I think, is just like the way to go. I think him at $6.9 million is a huge steal. I think pairing him with Justin Herbert would make his career absolutely explode. You go from Baker Mayfield, who kind of was just, he just never really got the offense to always click to Justin Herbert, who's going to find you the football. And if you're open or can, and you're reliable hands, you know, he's number two in my composite score rankings. I think that he's a perfect fit for this team and only at 6.9 million. So you could upgrade tight end and right tackle for only about $10 million. And then because we're going Mike Williams at the bottom there for 16.3, I don't want to spend a lot of money on my running backs. So to me going with, you know, top 10, 11, composite score running back in Dernis Johnson, who can only really get better with more opportunities and more opportunities to catch the football. I think him, I think he's a steal at $2.6 million. So overall, it's a bit expensive. You're spending about 10, 
you know, they're $28 million or so on the offense, but you've solved right tackle. I think you have a way more explosive tight end. I think your RB2 room is bolstered quite a bit, but not for very much. And then you retain Mike Williams. So, you know, Mike Williams is the big swing there. I think the first three being only like 12 to 13 million total to fix three different positions is perfect. Mike Williams is the big swing, right? 16.3 million could be more. I think it's going to be more. We have heard that the market is going to be lower this year for wide receivers. So we'll see what he ends up getting. But I do think him being under like around the $16.3 million range does make sense. So that's kind of what I would do. Feel free to go through the composite rankings and just look at, hey, you know, I was thinking of that guy. Where does he rank? Oh, he's really good. Or eh, he's not that good. And he's a little overpriced. You know, I hope this kind of helps you guys come up with a good idea or path for the Chargers and, you know, and how they should kind of work out their free agency period because they have projected 80 something million dollars and so if i can get the offense generally figured out with this path for about 28 million and leave all the rest of that for the defense and draft some defense and some maybe a right tackle and a couple other players i'm feeling pretty good so that's what i would do based on zero film just based on the numbers the contract and you know what we know about them so that's what i would do if you guys like it let me know i'm all for it if you're not all for it that's fine too let me know whether you keep mike williams or not keep Mike Williams. Uh, but this is fun. I like going through this and letting the numbers kind of speak for themselves rather than just say, oh, you know, I like this guy because. No, I think the numbers really speak for themselves here. And I think this is a good uh, group of four. So let me know what you guys think. Enjoy weekend and always hold up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.